Hi everybody, I'm John Sherwood and this is my podcast where I seek to fuel faith in Jesus in the 21st century. I'm a minister of the gospel and believe in making disciples who make disciples because Jesus really is beautiful and amazing and worth following with everything that we have. You can check out more resources at my website, johnsherwood.com, where I write about the intersection of faith and modern culture, as well as Bible study, leadership, and faith interviews, all designed to help ignite and fuel faith in Jesus Christ. And with all that, let's dive into the episode. Hey guys, this is John Sherwood here with johnsherwood.com, where we seek to fuel faith in the 21st century. And today we're actually going to be interviewing Dr. Douglas Jacoby, who is an international Bible teacher and uh, teaches the Bible all across the globe and has been doing so for many decades now. And so thank you, Dr. Jacoby. Thank you so much for being here with us today. It's an honor. Thank you for considering me. Of course. So today, actually, we're going to be able to jump into this concept of postmodernism a little bit. But before we do, I want to give a little bit of a background here with Dr. Jacoby and myself. I actually had the privilege of being able to study with Dr. Jacoby uh, back in 2006 through 2008, go through one of his programs called the Athens Institute of Ministry. It's incredibly valuable and helpful to me and my faith and my leadership and uh, super grateful for that, along with other teachers there at the, the School of Ministry. But also, uh, I have the privilege of being able to embark this year with many other ministers around the state of North Carolina uh, to the Holy Lands to be able to take a biblical tour with Dr. Jacoby and others to be able to visit Israel. We're super excited about that. Uh, but Dr. Jacoby, do you prefer that I call you Douglas or Dr. Jacoby, or does it matter? Anything but Dr. Jacoby. <laughs> Douglas is good. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. So. Douglas, tell us a little bit about uh, sort of the origins of your international Bible teaching ministry and sort of how that's going. Maybe just give us a brief bio about that. Well, you know, I became a Christian um, in college back in the 70s, and it didn't take long before I realized a lot of the questions I had about the world and about faith were the same questions others had. So from a very early period, I was kind of reading for my own satisfaction and curiosity, but also to help others. And moving to Europe a few years later uh, thrust me into a, a largely unbelieving or agnostic kind of context. And uh, I think all those years outside the U.S. have continually reinforced the importance of knowing the answers to these questions and of Christian evidences. Yes. And I know, obviously, apologetics is a big focus of yours, as I know that you have uh, debates as well uh, about faith and about other world religions. And so um, tell us a little bit about this idea of postmodernism, right? As we get ready to kind of jump into that concept, why don't you define terms for me a little bit? What, is, what does postmodernism mean? What is postmodernism? I know that's a term that mm. maybe is kind of popular in the media and people hear it, but what does it actually mean? Everyone hears it. It's hard to define. Um, because some people would say it's a philosophy, and that's where I will land. Uh, but others would say, no, it's not a philosophy. It's so disorganized. It's more of a mood or a <laughs> preference, or uh, maybe it's a movement. Uh, but to understand postmodernism, we have to understand what modernism is. And modernism is a, a worldview born out of the 1800s that things are getting better and better, technology and science and medicine and just our general knowledge of everything will keep improving. And obviously, that's not what happened in the 20th century. Um, yeah, you know, more than 200 million dead uh, because of uh, atheist ideologies and atheist warfare and so forth. 
a very disappointing uh, century in so many ways. So postmodernism is saying we give up on putting our faith in the, what the authorities tell us. It's more like, you know, everyone will have his or her own view of things. So truth becomes quite relativized. Mm. And so being born out of this uh, modern um, worldview, this, this ideology of progression and the modern progress and how we're going to continue to get better and understand more and life is going to continue to improve. And then, of course, that kind of being shattered by these grand world wars on a global scale and all of these atrocities. And, and now this kind of breeds this sort of ambiguous philosophy, worldview, mood kind of a thing that we call postmodernism, where we're sort of rejecting perhaps this, this idea of linear progression and instead adopting this idea that truth is very relative. What's true for you is true for you. What's true for me is true for me. And in right. what ways do we see postmodernism um, across the globe, but especially here in the West? How do we see postmodernism and its ideologies or philosophies intersect with modern culture and our everyday lives, especially as Christians? How would someone recognize postmodernism in their daily life? Well, postmodernism itself is making a truth claim, even while it denies the ultimate validity of truth claims. It's saying that no one has the truth. We should be especially suspicious of people who claim to have the truth who are, uh, uh, say, historians or theologians, uh, uh, church leaders. So there's this extreme skepticism about truth claims, you know, saying that, you know, people can't really know. But, of course, that itself is a truth claim. We could ask the postmodern, so am I supposed to believe what you're saying, or should I be equally skeptical of your claim that, that, you know, one guy's guess is as good as another. Uh, how do we recognize this? Well, probably um, in our world, we hear very frequently, for me, uh, often more than once a day, people say, I'm not judging, or judge not, or don't be judgmental, and so forth. And of course, being judgmental, that's ugly. And I think you could make a good case biblically, that's not what Christians should do. But making a right judgment, not a hypocritical judgment, but drawing a correct conclusion from one or more premises, that's something that we're supposed to do. That just means being clear thinking. Mm. Uh, but that's one reason things are so muddled, because if you say judge not, you mean don't draw any conclusion? That's a little bit different than jumping to a conclusion. You know, right. prejudice is bad, but are we saying we can't have any view or everyone is correct? Mm. If everyone's correct, then so is the guy who says everyone isn't correct. And we end up in contradiction. Right. And it kind of is a, a hollow philosophy that does self-contradict and kind of ends up boiling down to nothing really of, of any coherence. And so mm. for the average Christian, right, that isn't in the world of academia, you know, they're going to their job, they're trying to live their life and be a loving person and take care of their family. And they're swimming in this sort of cultural sea that mm. is becoming perhaps more and more um, postmodern, perhaps, if we will, in terms of some of the cultural ideologies and philosophies that we accept and embrace as just everyday. Um, maybe talk a little bit about that. How can we as Christians be clear thinkers when considering how to make not jump to conclusions, but how to make proper judgments and conclusions about the culture in which we live in and how God is calling us to be 
um, perhaps foreigners and aliens in a culture, how do we judge through these things and discern through them well? I'm thinking about things like politics and education and social agendas. How can we as Christians be able to recognize um, the, the truth of God's word and biblical principles versus okay. uh, maybe other types of ideologies and philosophies? Well, of course, it helps to be spending some time in God's word. There you go. A lot of people, even people who claim to be Christians, have very little knowledge of the Bible. And maybe they've been affected by postmodernism. That um, I think it's helpful to point out some of the major characteristics of postmodernism. And let me mention three at this time. One we've already discussed, the idea that there's no real truth, no ultimate truth. So postmodernists will talk about truths with an S on the end, not truth. In fact, I was talking to a very, uh, a friend of mine, very mature, uh, in his 60s, and I was surprised. He was, he was talking about someone's perspective, and he said, well, that's, that's his truth, so, you, know, you know, I thought all truth was God's truth. Now, if, if he meant that's his perspective, that'd be different. But say his truth, that's to say, well, it's true for him, but not necessarily for someone else. But that's not what truth means. So we're confusing perspective and opinion with, with reality and truth. And reality is what we perceive. Hopefully, we perceive reality clearly. But if we don't, reality doesn't change. But in postmodernism, they don't, they don't know that. Actually, uh, in a couple days, I'm going to be uh, going down to Florida to spend time with a Christian philosopher and a friend. And one of his books is True for Me, but Not for You. But we, we hear that kind of lingo all the time. Right. So truth instead of truth. We also hear uh, the word values very frequently. Instead of morality, which is not popular, uh, morality means there's right and wrong. There is vice and there is virtue. But values means it's only wrong for you if you're uncomfortable with it. Mm. And so we talk about family values. We talk about what I value. Well, what you, some people value stuff that's really not very valuable. You, you hang on to some old thing. Your wife said you should have thrown that out 20 years ago. But right. value doesn't create truth. And what we value doesn't actually create real value. Real value transcends it. So it's morality, not values. And then... The third one I would mention is this emphasis on the journey. Hmm. And of course, I like that. I travel a lot, and I, I don't want to travel in agony. I'll be flying in a few days back to Israel. I, I hope it's not. I hope the journey is okay. But it's not just about the journey. You know, do they give me good food on the on the flight? It's about getting there. Hmm. You know, if I don't land in Tel Aviv, if I instead end up in Moscow or Nairobi, uh, I won't be a happy camper. Right. So it's really destination and journey both. We can have both of those. But postmodernism says forget the destination. Let's just focus on journey. Yeah. And it's interesting because obviously these kinds of um, uh, sayings and phrases and this kind of language we hear all the time, you know, enjoy the journey. It's about the journey, you know, and what's true okay. for me. This is your truth, you know, and we hear this all the time. And as Christians, it can be hard to be able to discern and make, as you mentioned, proper judgments about uh, sort of these philosophical standpoints behind these phrases, right? And, and maybe even like your friend that you were kind of shocked that we even start to use these phrases and maybe embrace and swallow 
these ideologies behind them without even recognizing it, right? To where now truth does become a bit more relative and it's not actually what that word technically means or we are so focused on the journey, quote unquote, that we forget about the destination, even as Christians, right? That uh, Paul talked um, a lot about this idea that, you know, this, this journey was really temporary and it really was about this ultimate destination, you know, forgetting what's behind. I'm straining towards what's ahead. And so how have you seen in your travels across the globe how Christians maybe unknowingly or unwittingly or unclearly are swallowing or embracing in their own philosophies, yeah. own theology, uh, some of these other worldviews that are counter to God and his word? Let me, there's one thing that comes to mind very quickly. It has to do with tolerance. And you mentioned other worldviews and then you mentioned travel because I've been to so many countries, most of the countries of the world. Um, we're in a world of, with diversity, with pluralism. There are lots of different viewpoints and worldviews. And even, I notice a lot of Christians are a bit more tentative about the truth of the gospel. Mm. So it's not that they don't believe you need the gospel to be saved, but they wonder, well, does the Hindu need it as much, especially if he's a good Hindu, or she's a God-fearing Muslim, or this guy's a very compassionate Buddhist? And so mm. we get derailed. But, but uh, this is a, another a, a fundamental misunderstanding about truth. Truth is exclusive by nature. Two plus two is not seven. And it's irrelevant what you think. If you don't know that it's four, you're just wrong. And we're, we, we become hesitant to make truth claims. And I think it was Muggeridge said, we, we're a generation who are too modest to even believe in the multiplication table. Because maybe someone had a different view of what this times that is. Anyway, I, I see this misunderstanding of tolerance. Tolerance does not mean everyone's okay or all ideas are equal. No, tolerance means I'm willing to accept, accept somebody and, and deal with them graciously, even if I think he's wrong. So for true tolerance, you have to think the other guy's wrong. If you think he's right, what is there to tolerate? Hmm. So let me ask this question. This might be a bit probing, but... Obviously, we're talking about kind of a philosophical progression in, um, in culture, and I think in particular in the West, um, but though I'm sure it's, it's infiltrating across the globe. But um, for the context of the West especially, where do you think some of these origins may have come from? And the question that I'm asking as I'm thinking about it is, do you think there could be a correlation between the intolerance perceived or real from the historic Christian worldview in the West, do you think that's maybe created a counter movement of hyper tolerance, which means there can be no truth, there can be no absolutes, and tolerance yeah. becomes something different than what tolerance is? Do you think there's a connection there? Yeah, I think it's a backlash, it's an overreaction, and, and much of history, and certainly much of church history, is just a series of reactions and um, sure. you know, actions, reactions, overreactions. And there's no doubt that in the name of Christ, many uh, very intolerant and horrible things have been done um, in the past and maybe even in the present. As Christians, we need to be aware of that and own that. Yeah. Because we like to think, well, if I lived back then, I wouldn't have bought it. But really? Right. Um, I don't know that. I, I might have been something that I would shudder to think of right now. Mm. Uh, and so for, so for, again, just kind of the average Christian living their life in this sea of culture that really does embrace so many postmodern viewpoints yeah. and philosophies, 
they're, they're, they're faced with everyday real life situations. You know, do I go to my family members, uh, gay wedding, you know, do I, um, uh, talk to my, um, you know, uh, atheist friend about God, or is that going to be offensive? You know, we're put as Christians, I think more and more in this culture, we're put into these, these corners and these crossroads. We have to make decisions between postmodernism or biblical truth. And we don't know how to do that in a way that is gracious and loving. You know, on one hand, we're told, Hey, be accepting, be loving. And anything other than that is unloving. And yet we're struggling because we know, well, I know that there is such a thing as truth and the truth of the gospel. And there is such a thing as sin and depravity and my need for God and their need for God. And so what advice would you give to people in those everyday decision-making circumstances? How do I do this in a way that's clearly thinking, but also compassionate and loving? We've got to avoid, we all want to avoid the the two extremes. One is where we water down the gospel so we really have nothing to say because we don't want to step on someone's toes. The other one where we're like a bull in a china shop, uh, just offensive, no sense of timing or concern for other people's feelings. But I would encourage Christians to to be bold. Um, Mm. I'd probably rather err on the side of maybe engaging too much than shrinking into a shell and not Mm. believing in the gospel. If you want to model Look how Paul interacted with the world of his day, not just the religious people. Look how he interacts with the non-religious people. Look at Jesus. So these guys freely and frequently uh, violated certain taboos. They crossed cultural thresholds. They, they understood the rules of society. and They played by the rules for the most part. But if it was for the truth, they were willing to step out and, and take a chance. I think we just got to open our mouths more. Wow. And, you know, obviously that is such a challenge because um, uh, I believe there are many instances where we're not being encouraged to open our mouths. And so uh, it does take a lot of boldness, as you mentioned. And I want to just encourage, you know, everyone here that's watching this to uh, remember the boldness that we receive from God's spirit. Just as um, we follow Jesus, we're also going to follow him into some perhaps unpopular um, venues and unpopular environments. But uh, Dr. I give an illustration here that could, yeah, could be please. Used. Of course. It's like a doctor. So um, last week I have a, something on my eye, something had been growing and I got a dark core to it. And I went to the dermatologist and they took it off and they, they did a biopsy. Mm. Now they gave me the news last night. Mm. I didn't know for sure what it would be. They said, it's okay. It's not malignant. Mm. It's benign. It's, it's, mm. it's not going to hurt you. But if they had said, I'm sorry, it's malignant, and you need to come in, and we need to help you, that doesn't mean because that's not the doctor saying, I don't like you, or I'm against you. You know, you get into this adversarial relationship. Well, you think I, you think I have cancer, you're against me. No, I mean, you just, we're just being honest about the reality. And mm. so a doctor is not against the patient, simply by virtue of a heavy or negative diagnosis. The mm. truth itself is not always pleasant. So mm. that, that doctor-patient thing can help us because Jesus is the great physician, and in a way, we're called to be assistant physicians. We're applying that healing balm of the gospel. We're doctoring in a way ourselves. So I hope that's a helpful one. And learning, and learning better bedside manners all the time along the way, I'm sure, right, for oh, all yes. of us. <laughs>
So, well, thank you so much, Douglas, for being here with us. I really appreciate that. I'm looking forward to being in the Holy Lands with you later this year. Thank you for guiding these tours and helping people be able to connect uh, with the Holy Lands and the ancient uh, paths of this faith. I'm so grateful. Thank you guys for watching. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this Faith Fuel podcast. We look forward to seeing you next time.